time for the Malloy Drive Show podcast. And there's nothing like a Crown forklift for picking it up and putting it down. Check them out at crown.com or call 131 604. No risk, no worries. Okay, Australia, you know him. You can count on him. I'm a 50-50 chance. You love him. Hello. Go to the top shelf, ladies. And now, it's his show. Here we go, people. This is Malloy. Hello, Australia, and welcome to the big Thursday edition of Malloy. Hello, Dave. How are you, Mickey? On this special day, yeah. the 11th of November, mm. Remembrance Day. We'll kick off in a minute speaking to Mac McLaughlin just about the significance of... Uh, what this day means to so many service men and women around the country and all of us yeah. who honour their contribution. Hey, the relationship guru is back in business. Is We've he? contacted, yes. Oh, good. We've contacted some of the spouses that were complained about oh. on the show for their right of reply. Okay, it's going to get Boy, awkward. Boy, hang about. <laughs> it's going to get a bit feisty, right. I think. And of I'm course, in. I will calm the phone. Oh, well, no, you're the guru, so you've got the, the, you've got the credentials, of course. I know what I'm doing when yes. it comes to relationships. Don't you just. Your Honour. <laughs> Hey, Titus O'Reilly joins us. Uh, always love walking through some of the great sporting stories of Australia uh, with Titus, uh, who always intrigues me. I don't know how he great finds them, yeah. but he does know a fair bit, so we'll get into that. Jim Jeffries, the great oh, man, Jim, he's back. joins us again after a two-week hiatus. Oh, we'll take your calls, we'll take your tweets. There'll be so much to get through. Cannot wait. Let's get into it for a Thursday Malloy. This is Malloy. Today, we remember. We remember the 102,949 Australians who have died in service to our country. Their names inscribed in bronze upon the roll of honour at the Australian War Memorial. We observe a minute's silence for those who were lost, never to return, and those who did, never to be the same. Lest we forget. Joining us now on the show and friend of the show and uh, a man who's conducted many tours of many battlefields, uh, one that I actually went on myself to Gallipoli, uh, the 100-year anniversary, who knows what he's talking about and has dedicated a lot of his life to keeping these stories alive of soldiers past and present. Join us now, Matt McLaughlin. How are you, Matt? I'm well, Mick. How are you? Yeah, big day for you, big day for the country. For I know we touched on it there, but can you just, again, for anyone listening for the first time or trying to understand what the poppies are about and what this day in particular is about, can you just walk us through it? Yeah, I think it's a great point, mate, because we're talking about an event here that is over a century ago. So perhaps the, the meaning and the, the origins of the day have gotten a little bit foggy over time. So Remembrance Day started, was originally called Armistice Day, and it was the day that commemorated the moment the guns fell silent and the First World War came to an end. So that occurred at 11am on the 11th of November 1918. So after four years of horrific fighting, the guns fell silent and the First World War ended. So that moment was then commemorated and, and indeed celebrated because it was a great victory in the war. Um, we'd done a great thing. So around the world, 11 November became this day of commemoration and celebration of the end of the First World War. Obviously, since then, we've had many more conflicts, many more people involved in war, 
And so the day has expanded. And so now it's Remembrance Day for us to stop and remember all men and women who served in war. That's right. And for the second year in a row, we, we look at Remembrance Day from COVID in different circumstances. And it's funny when I, when I hear sometimes people complaining as we do about how tough it is or what sacrifices are made or how we just want to go down the road or go to a pub or we want to have a meal or we want to play golf and you or you know we've definitely been through a hardship but it gives me a perspective to say as tough as it is this days like this are a reminder that people have done it a lot harder and a lot tougher than we have and uh, it's a it's a good sobering reminder to put everything in perspective yeah mate you're right it it, it certainly is Uh, but i actually think COVID has worked in both ways it's a good reminder that previous generations have obviously had it tougher than we currently have it because we are a little bit soft these days i think we'd all admit yep but also at the same time, there are some direct connections to what previous generations have been through in terms of the shared experience. This has been a hardship. There's no, yep. there's no doubt about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. A genuine hardship for so many people, particularly for, for you poor buggers down there in Melbourne who've had a, a yep. very tough time. And that is a genuine societal issue. And people have come together very well and they have had this shared experience. They have had this, this experience of coming together as a community and trying to support each other. So, yes... In some ways, it's a reminder that when the chips are down, communities are very good at coming together as they were during war and depression and and other things in our history. That is a very good point. 2021 also marks the 50th anniversary of the decision to withdraw troops from Vietnam. That's still a very big ticket item and very still in the front of our consciousness, isn't it, that conflict? Oh, absolutely. And can you believe that we're talking 50 years ago now, Vietnam? I mean... Vietnam feels like it was yesterday. I grew up in the 80s surrounded by Vietnam veterans who Mm. were probably the same age I am now. Mm. And yet we're now talking about 50 years since the last major action that Australians participated in in the Vietnam War. So even even Vietnam now is a war that belongs in the past. It's It's a war of older veterans, you know, telling their stories. So time is certainly marching on. But, yeah, a good opportunity in 2021 to also stop and think about those conflicts, you know, that were so controversial. Vietnam and the way the veterans were treated was appalling when they came back to Australia. So, again, another good reminder this year that that we haven't always done it right and that we've got to stop and remember those veterans in the right way. What about our veterans from uh, the Afghanistan war? And given what is a... I don't know, it is a disastrous pullout and this will be their first Remembrance Day on the, the other side of that conflict. What will they be thinking do you think today about that that war and how it was resolved? Yeah, it's an interesting one because I've got a lot of friends who fought in that war and there are parallels with Vietnam, a lot of parallels yeah. with the way that we just left and, and left a bit of a mess behind. But it's interesting. I've also seen parallels with veterans. Every veteran's going to deal with this differently and there's, there's a lot of, I know there is a lot of heartache for veterans about what's going on over there. But at the same time, as we saw with Vietnam veterans, they still can hold their head high and be proud of what they achieved. And they achieved a huge amount for the people of Afghanistan at the time that they were there. And, and while the politics has let them down and, you know, the diplomacy has not worked, the job that those men and women did on the ground was life-changing for Afghanis. And I find this with Vietnam veterans as well when they look back. Most of them look back and say, we should never should have been there. It was a war we shouldn't have been involved in. But the fact that we were there, we did really good work while we were there. And I think the veterans of Afghanistan, particularly on a day like today, should be saying the same thing. It's not their fault that the politics didn't work, that the diplomacy didn't work, that the governance didn't work, that the work they did was essential and they should be very proud of it. They should be indeed. I saw it firsthand for myself and I was so proud of every serviceman and woman over there representing our country 
in a theatre of war. It was um, astonishing to observe. For everyone out there today, I mean, I've, we've missed uh, obviously the eleventh hour, the eleventh day, and that silence. But what can what can all, mm. we do? Is it is it about sitting around and telling stories or reading about something? What's what's the best way? Yeah, anyone listening to this show uh, can involve themselves in Remembrance Day. Well, I always say on a day like today, take it as an opportunity to learn more. So if you've been, you know, if you've seen a documentary on TV today or heard an interview where they mentioned a battlefield or you recall that your grandfather served in Kokoda or or something just piques your interest, go and look it up. Go and jump online or grab a book and, and learn a little bit more about it because the stories are so much richer than we often paint them. We, we often fall into this trap of making it all very two-dimensional. Every Anzac was a Superman who won the war single-handedly. Yeah. And while it's wonderful that we respect <laughs> the, the, the legend of the, 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 the come, that came before us with the Anzacs, it's important that we flesh it out as well. And the, the reality is so much more interesting and so much more moving and emotional than the two-dimensional stereotype. So I always say to people, the best way you can honour the memory of people who fought and died is by learning more about them. So find out if you've got a, if you've got an uncle who served in Vietnam, maybe give him a call or buy him a beer and just say, you know, today of all days, let's just have a chat. It doesn't have, you don't have to tell me your war stories, but just what yeah. does it mean to you? Um, you know, look up your grandfather's service records online. Um, you know, if you see someone in uniform, go up, shake their hand. Just just you know, just just demonstrate that that those of us in the community who have never had the honour of serving um, still owe a great debt of gratitude to those people. Uh, well said, Matt. Learn more if you can. And uh, if you're really keen, I, I can't recommend this enough, taking one of your battlefield tours. Will they be? Will you be back up and running, do you think, in, in 22? Yeah, we're excited about that. Mick, finally, we get to go back and walk the battlefield. It's the thing I love more than anything else. I mean, you and I did it together, mate. It's yep. such a great experience. We're just so excited we can take people back there after two years of of not being able to. And, yeah, as of Anzac Day next year, we're going to be back on the battlefields. And it's, it's so excited by that. Battlefields.com.au. Uh, go to if you're interested. Then there's some pretty significant anniversaries coming up and it's an amazing time. I, I put it, I say to you, life-changing in that it changes your mind and your, your, the way you look at things. And you come home with a different perspective. And if anyone has the opportunity, I guarantee you, you'll get more than you anticipated. Matt, thanks again for helping us uh, through such a significant yeah. day for this country and for all those who served. It's a real pleasure, Mick. Thanks, mate. And battlefields.com.au. Check out that website for those tours as well. Matt McLaughlin. It's Malloy on Triple M. Driving you home. This is Malloy. Mick Malloy. Relationship Yes, it's time to follow up, uh, David. Yes, uh, and this is I. This is a segment where I uh, adjudicate. Adjudicate. You're like a judge, duty of relationships, aren't you? Together yeah. and uh, paper over the cracks. Well, I think <laughs> yes. oh, that's not a good one. <laughs> like to you might want to re- backtrack re- on Establish what it was that you loved about your partner, and right. Today's a bit of a writer reply. And by the way, I am significantly entitled. Uh, um, oh, you got the bonus to do this don't you? because yeah. I am a middle-aged alcoholic who's never been married. That's it. Yeah. So I, I am in a unique position tick, tick, to tick. offer advice on relationships. Mm-hmm. Now we had a few go off uh, on, on the other day. We had a full board. Thought it'd be a writer reply. Oh, so good. do you mind if we start? Sure. I'm going to replay 
a woman called Michelle yes. uh, from Newcastle That's who it. rang in and had a problem with her relationship. Have a listen. My husband has decided to become a vegetarian. Leave him. My, <laughs> Hang on, <laughs> Leave him. I think I should come home, maybe not every night, push him my luck, at least once or twice, have a cooked meal with some <laughs> animal on my plate. Well, Throw a wristle at him. <laughs> Tell him to grow up. <laughs> Yeah. Which was part of my advice. He also, I believe, made, makes her go out in the back garden right. uh, if she wants to have a barbecue. So she has to eat the food Oh, that's outside. right. Cook on her own. Or cook the food outside. Yeah, away from the kitchen. Um, the kid's a vegetarian. He's just turned vegetarian and now is barking out the orders. It all <laughs> seems a bit unfair. I think I also suggested that she just cook a pig and put an apple in its mouth and <laughs> just saying that, start yes. carving, make yeah. a wish. Um, uh, well, uh, here to respond is the uh, husband, Oh, we've got the Greg. vegetarian. Uh, Greg, well, the vegetarian, oh, uh, okay. uh, it's, it's right a reply. Okay. Uh, I have to say, it's a pretty tall mountain for him to climb because right now I'm firmly in Michelle's camp. Hello, uh, Greg, how goes? Oh, very good, thanks, Mick. And, and how are you? I'm very good. Now, how did you find out about uh, mm. Michelle uh, outing you yeah. on national radio? Were you aware of it at the time? Were you called up by angry friends? What happened? No, no. It was when about four or five carloads of people turned up out the front with placards. That's when I, was, <laughs> I knew something had gone on. Protest going on. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good vegetarians getting a bit of their own messages because <laughs> yes. they're, they're often picketing steakhouses while I'm in them. <laughs> Um, yeah. uh, so, Greg, why well, I understand that, but why make Michelle cook mm. three meals, vegetarian for you, vegetarian for the kids, and then go outdoors to cook her meat? When when you both fell in love together over, uh, over probably a kebab, <laughs> you were both meat eaters at the time, and just because you've changed mm. the way you choose to live, I'm a bit hoity-toity and judgy, it sounds like to me, <laughs> uh, why is Michelle being punished? Yeah. Well, she's not really being punished, mm. Mick. It's for our own good. We need to try and incentivise her to eat more healthily. So and, can I ask you why you became a vegetarian? Yeah, for health reasons. For I had arterial problems and um, okay. part of that was... Um, oh. But, Mick, I've just got a concern I quickly need to raise with you. Mm. Yes, please. I, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know if you're the right person to be doing <laughs> this because my, my understanding is, and it, tell me if the Batuta advocate tells lies in their paper, but you're, you're on a bit of a thing with KFC that every time you make a negative vegetarian comment, they send oh you a bucket of the Colonel's Best. I wish they did. <laughs> I'd, I'd be, I'd be a, a bucket mogul. I'd be sit, sitting at home with a warehouse full of KFC uh, buckets. I love chicken. Yeah. Um, I, I prefer them free range. Yeah, if you don't mind, I'll, I prefer catching them myself. Right. Uh, I chase them. I chase them around the barnyard, Benny mm. Hill style. Yeah. Uh, just getting going out to get dinner. Um, how is there any middle ground yeah. here? Uh, firstly, is could, could could Michelle at least cook the meat inside? Yeah, there always has to be middle ground, Mick, and I'm I'm hoping you could come up with some kind of answer. But you know, I was almost thinking when she told me that she was, I was going to get the right of reply that yeah. you know, with your wonderful counsel, we might be able to get some <laughs> solutions going. Well, I do have a solution for yeah. you. Are you sitting down? All right, here we go. I'm sitting down, on, Guru. It's called the pasty because the pasty has, my understanding, has some meat. And vegetables. Oh, it's two for and one. It's, and it's wrapped up in a delicious pastry. You two sit down mm. like communion. You break the pasty in half and 
You, you know you, that thing where you wrap your arms around each other and forming the <laughs> thing and you take a bite of the pasty. It's adorable. And you go to bed and make love. Oh, red, red wine? Red wine too with oh, the communion? I'll allow it. Yes, I will. I'll allow it. In fact, mandatory. <laughs> Fantastic. Mandatory, can we do that? And hey, by the way, how, why, you do, why is your mm. daughter vegan? Is she just uh, her, her personal choice or have you bullied her into yeah, it? Yeah, hers, hers is ethical. No, she's been for years. She's, right. It's an ethical choice, not so much a health choice. So, um, yeah, she, she just likes yeah. animals. Yeah. I could be in a coma look at. and I'd still take meat intravenously. Would you? I think. <laughs> I've said it. Can we have a prize for Greg, please? Okay, can we so do, Greg of do you we drink can. beer? Yeah, of course you drink beer. Of course you drink beer. Yeah, well, I was, I was hoping that was, would be your solution because, like, if you gave mm. Michelle a year's supply of that delicious Brick Lane beer, then oh, okay. she could, she could yeah. serve me and the vegans up right. pink trotters, right. call it tofu, okay. and we'd be none the wiser. Right, I'll Greg. tell you what, Greg. After you've had a, 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 a few uh, brick lanes, you'll be down the kebab shop, quick sticks. <laughs> Trust me, you'll be back. And, and brick, brick lanes vegan too, by the way. Oh, there well, well done. Good Absolutely. Research. And you're welcome aboard. There it is. When All we right. come back, I'll be adjudicating on two more couples. Oh, still more to come relationships. It's, relationship it's what I do. For the drive home, this, this is Malloy. Mick Malloy. Relationship it's what I do. Yeah. I try and mend broken wings. Very good. In and the relationship department. You're sitting cross-legged too. Together. That's interesting. What's that? You're sitting cross-legged too, which is interesting, on your pillows. <laughs> Very comfortable there, Guru. Yeah, and I've got Aladdin pants on. <laughs> yes, I noticed that. I don't know where to look. <laughs> is, the, is the turban too much? <laughs> Maybe a little over the top. But no, it's good. This is really good guru. advice. I'm the relationship guru. I'm loving it. I go the whole hog day. Brilliant. I'm trying to... And you're fixing pre- relationships, which is great. There's too much... Uh, indifference in this. There's too much indifference in this world. There's too much coldness. There's yeah, no, you're much. right. We just need to get together. Not an orgy. No, okay. Just <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. But not all right, in the bowl. But yeah. together. It's about maybe love. a threesome. Maybe a threesome. Right, but okay. just the more we can bring people together. Okay. Right. Hey, now, David, yes. uh, we're moving on to our next. That's uh, well, a follow up, isn't it? It's a follow up mm. to the call. Uh, we had Damien on the line. Yeah. Um, and he had an issue yeah. uh, with his missus, yes. as he claimed. Uh, let's have a listen to his call the other day. So we just moved into our new house. I've been there two months now. It's got a four-car garage. Start setting it up as a man cave, and my wife asked me where she's parking her car. You might have to do a, a division down the middle and have the man cave on one side, the uh, she shed on the other. Oh, but i still got to fit a pool table somewhere as well. <laughs> Nice. Seems like a reasonable request. Okay. I would have thought. Not that I'm taking sides right. already no, or prejudicing no. our next caller, Eloise, who's on the line now and would like to respond. Hi, Eloise. Hi, Mick. How are you going? I'm good. Were you aware that your husband was uh, gone public with your mm. personal gripes? Yes, he pre-warned me. <laughs> All right. So as if, let me get this right, Eloise. He, there's a four-car garage. Mm. He wants to turn it into a man cave. You're kind of impertinent question is where are we going to park the car good point. am i right yeah. yes i like to keep my car clean and i want it in inside so what would be a happy outcome for you eloise just 
I just want a spot to put my car in the garage. Mm. Does it have to be? Because he's obviously needing a man shed, and he's only got four spaces. Yeah, four spaces. <laughs> he he already drew a line when we moved in. He said, "I just want this section for my man cave." I mm. said, "Yep, no worries. You can have that." And then mm. that that line has. He's moving. He keeps moving the line, which yeah. a lot of men do in relationships, and it's not yeah. fair. They're creepers, is what yeah. I call them, and you've got to keep your eye on it, Heloise. What can, what would be acceptable? Can you? Would you? Are you happy with him having the man cave? Yeah, yeah, I agree. What can he have in the man cave? Can yeah. he have? He can have uh, the pool table. Check. I don't know about this pool table. <laughs> oh, the table, pool table. Came in. Yeah, we we I agreed to the bar, and he wanted a music room. That's what he could have. And a music room. Yeah. And, and he's, a, seen, he's, he's seen got that a moose head with antlers. Couch, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't want to appear to be taking sides, but you're being a bit of a bitch about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. That's taken. Uh, She's not. You, no, you, you, you sound like a cat. You know what I would like to do? Organise a sit-down with Scotty Cam. Where <laughs> Scotty Cam comes in with the crew from the block Righto. and goes, How can you be happy? How can we make you happy? How can yep. we make you happy? What, have you got counterclaimed with a she shed? Would you like him to say, Okay, I'll have a little oh, well, bit of this for a she shed? Yeah. Oh, look, um, go for it. I mean, I'd just be happy with a little bit of space, anything. Sure. <laughs> okay, Eloise, you sound uh, a bit needy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Eloise, you're gorgeous. He doesn't deserve you. I'm ruling in your favour. Um, you know what you do? Park the car outside the garage and make him wash it every day. Bang. But there it is. That would, I would love that. He's Duke not washed a... my car once. No. Oh, well, a he's bum. a bum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dave will come around and do it. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Eloise, okay. a case of brick lane draft for you. Well, Thank you, Eloise. Gee, I think, I, I think I've done something strong there. Um, okay, so mm. well Brad... We've got time for one more. I think we do yeah, quickly. Still. Yes, Brad uh, rang in and, uh, well, he wants a new car. Here's yes. how the call went down. Trying to get wife to let me buy a new car. What kind of car are you after? Uh, I'm looking at uh, a brand new Ford Ranger. Tradesman, yeah, need the ute. Yeah, of right. Well, she got her brand new car last year and now she's oh, telling me that I don't need one. Well, that's unbelievable. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like an outrageous request for a <laughs> new car. If wife has a new car, She's husband a new gets car. a new car, everyone's me. happy. Yeah. His and hers. Dave, yeah, you get it. round in the, the gets, which is a shambles. That's true. What, what does uh, Mrs. She's D She's in the Nissan. She's in the nice car, the good car, as I call it. So, uh, yeah, yeah I've got All the, right. I've got so the there's one. a bit of this going on. <laughs> it seems to be uh, the topic du jour here to defend herself. Well, not defend herself because mm. it sounds a bit negative. Okay. Jazz. Is it Jasmine? Oh, hi, Jazz. <laughs> Jazz. Jazz will do. Okay, uh, Jasmine, uh, at this stage, and we'll see if I warm to you, then I might call you Jazz at the end. Uh, how were you aware that your husband was on stage complaining about your behaviour? As always, somebody else told me I was at a footy committee meeting <laughs> and someone yelled over the table, I think it was your husband I heard on the radio today. Oh, okay. I thought, oh, dear God, what? Yeah. And, yep, it all came out <laughs> in front of okay. about ten others. Okay. Now, so is his claims true that you've got a new car and he's not allowed one? Discuss. Oh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your thinking? What's yeah. your reasoning behind that? So we got mine. We discussed mine. Yeah. I may have gone and out for looking and may have come back with a signed contract without him there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, and how do you take that? Yeah. Look what I've done. Yeah. <laughs> 
He knows that his life wouldn't be worth living if I if he did that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and so, and what do you use? What do you use your car for? Uh, going to work and back. Yeah, you're Just calling around like our mate. five kids. Oh well, okay. Well, the balance of power has just shifted somewhat. I feel in Jazz's favour. And what is it? Is he just a, a bit of a complaining dick? What's his what's what's his problem? Why, why? No, look, he does need a new car, but I've got to deal with him. He's got to prove that he can save the money that the loan would be. I love it. Being the banker, I am. Yeah, that's good. Well, where's the money coming from? What 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 do you want to do? Cut down on the beer money, or got to come from somewhere? No, I'm the beer drinker. Probably his oh. bags. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, Duca, Dave. Jazz, case of Brick Lane draft, courtesy of Malloy, nice and chilled on its way for you. Does he so. at least get to drive the car, Jazz? Yeah, he does get to drive it. Oh, <laughs> what, when it needs petrol put in the tank? <laughs> That's what I'll guess. Yep. <laughs> good on you, Jazz. Thanks for the call. My work here is oh, done. Oh, well I done, Guru. Can I uncross my legs now? They're yeah, really yeah. Sore. The left one's gone to sleep. <laughs> All right. That's the relationship guru. Thanks to Jazz for the, uh, talking to us as well. Hey, up next, Titus O'Reilly's going to join us. Then in the second hour, it'll be Jim Jeffries. It's Malloy, Triple M. Yeah, with the program, Toots. This is Malloy. Returning with more sport. This is Titus O'Reilly. Oh, the great man joins us now to walk us through another fascinating insight into a sportsman or woman from history. Uh, this is well, welcome, Titus. Hey, I, Titus. I love this part of our show because we, we, we're a sports network, but we're always kind of just a bit of a scoreboard sometimes. We give you the results and calculate the chances, mm. but we never look in depth at some of the great stories uh, that go untapped. What do you got for us today? Well, I'm going to tell you a story about a guy called Albert Griffiths who yep. was our first ever major sports star, international sports star. Most people haven't heard of him. He was born in 1871. Yep. So just was in my year at school. <laughs> and uh, That's right. Could play for Geelong this week. That's right. He was he was uh, known as Young Griffo. He was born in Miller's Point in Sydney, uh, just next to the Rocks. And at the yep. time, the Rocks was the roughest place pretty much in Australia. It was okay. all pubs, brothels, and opium dens. Yep. And uh, so naturally he, draw, he joins the local youth gang, which is called the Rocks Push. And they actually okay. dominated the Rocks, which is now all fancy tourist areas. Oh, yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah, it's like a set. From, from the 1870s to the 1890s, it, they dominated to the point where pol- they robbed police, so police wouldn't go into the Rocks. <laughs> Jeez, police had it tough in those days, didn't they? They were really a shocker. And so the, they, they reigned that area until bubonic plague broke out in 1900. So good to know that Sydney, you know, was going through something. Come full circle. Yeah. So they decided who was in charge of these gangs by bare-knuckle fighting. And young Griffo, he ended up the leader of it before he was 16. So he had... <laughs> oh, my God. Dear idea. And wow. he was so he was so good at fighting that one evening, for money, he fought four men in boxing matches, one after the other, stopping to drink beer between each fight <laughs> and still won easily. So, do you know what I think that is? That's the equivalent of those chess masters, you know, who go yeah. around playing twenty four <laughs> tables at once. But there's Griffo, boogada boogada, beer, <laughs> yep. boogada boogada, beer. Good on you. I like this guy already. Yeah. So he was identified as a great fighter. So they said, well, this street fighting is a good. 
like way to learn boxing. So he became a boxer. And in 1889, he defeated the Australian heavyweight champion down in Apollo Hall in Melbourne. And then in 1890, he fought the world featherweight champion who was a New Zealander, Bill Murphy, who'd come to Sydney and beat him. So he's barely out of his – he's not out of his teens and he's the world champion. This is incredible. And he decided, well, I need to go to America now. And so on 1892, he gets on a boat to go to America – he lasts five minutes, and I mean five minutes on the boat. He decides he doesn't want to go and jumps off oh. and swims back to the pier. He's still in the harbour. What happened? So Was he, there an incident? He just, he just decided he said, what he am I like, doing? He didn't like the idea, and so he, he went the next year, and he went over so away that he, he started winning his fights immediately, and he was a great defensive boxer. No one could ever hit him. But it was around this time he won his first few matches and the American boxing media started to notice he had irregular training habits in that he didn't ever train. (laughs) (laughs) And he also loved drinking. So in his first fight that he won, stories emerged in the papers in America that he'd actually prepared by drinking all through the night before and had to be found by his manager (laughs) and moved from a bar from immediately before the fight. So he literally, his manager drags him out of a pub to the fight and he actually wins. So the whole time they actually said, they wrote a newspaper that said, seldom was Griffo sober for a fight, yet so amazing and clever that regardless of his physical and mental condition, he invariably held his own and could whip an opponent. So he barely ever fight sober whatsoever. I want to continue this. I, I'm uh, I'm all ears. Is there I think this we're heading somewhere with, with Griffo. <laughs> uh if we can hang around ties to finish this story, that would be amazing. A drive home that's always unpredictable. <laughs> This is Malloy. Titus O'Reilly with us now. It is Malloy on Triple uh, This is like an old radio serial where you have it's to good. hang around for the next instalment. Yes. But we're talking about Griffo. the story of Albert Griffo Griffiths. Mm. Uh, young Griffo who uh, started in the rocks. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, start, Titus started in the rocks as a bare-knuckle fighter. Uh, drinks like a maniac. Uh, launched a boxing career. Went to America. Took a handful of titles while drunk. Yeah and has got the full attention of the Americans as we speak. Yeah, like he's wildly popular. Think like Muhammad Ali popular yep. in his time in wow. America. And he was hopeless with money, though, so he used to go to the pub and have no money on him because he never right. kept his money. And he used to challenge other punters to try and hit him in the face. And if they <laughs> couldn't, he'd get their money and spend on booze. They, they never could because he was so fast. Um, wow. So they, they keep finding him not like, you know, drinking before matches and all this sort of stuff. But he's still just so good when he goes and bats. He just doesn't have a problem. But he keeps starting to get into trouble with the law. So um, he was drinking a casino in Long Island and then a few drinks become a lot. He assaults a town official oh. and <laughs> he goes to jail, but he gets let out because he's got another fight and the judge was a fight. <laughs> 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 and he then got arrested. He then got arrested ahead. He started his alcohol started to have a bit of a problem. He still kept winning, but his manager was worried. So his manager organised for him to be sent to jail for vagrancy to sober him up before a fight. So he had a month in jail, and he was in the best condition of his life. So but his training, only- his training camp was a jail cell, which was the best preparation you could have for young yeah, Griffo. His manager knew it was the only way to keep him sober, was to send him <laughs> to jail. 
<laughs> which I think that's something modern sporting coaches could consider. <laughs> But in 1898, he was found running naked down a major street in Chicago and he assaulted three police officers <laughs> when they arrested him. And he already, he already had a bit of a problem with the Chicago police force because a few months later he'd fought an officer who threw his mate out of a pub in two in the morning. <laughs> well, yeah, so he said when the officer took him to court, he testified that a young Griffo was in a saloon jumping over tables, talking to himself and fighting imaginary foes. <laughs> uh, so he was declared uh, insane and sent to an asylum. Oh, oh, um, and, when it, and when His that manager announced, would have been happy with that. <laughs> yeah, he was happy. When he did that, he jumped He jumped the bar and tried to attack the judge. Oh, no. Of course, Griffo. he then gets let out because a boxing manager puts up three grand Oof. and says... I'll cover any trouble he comes as long as you let him out of jail to come and yeah. fight. So they let him out again to fight, uh, you know, once again. So he's, sure. he comes out and he starts fighting the top boxers and, and wins again. In yeah. fact, they find out that he fought 232 fights in his career. Wow. They didn't worry about pacing it back then. And he only, <laughs> he only lost nine of them in that entire time. That, Probably that because he was sober. Him. Yes. The few times he was sober. His last fight ever in 1904, he was fighting this guy and he was 33. He was well past his prime. And he got in in the first round before it was over. He just decided to give up, rolled under the bottom bottom rung of the rope and just left. And that was <laughs> the final time. And he passed away at age 53 in 1927. He's got a a proper burial place in Brooklyn in America. Yeah. But the thing that says how good he is is the greatest fighter of his age, a guy called Joe Gans, who fought him three times and never beat him, he said he explained that he trained for three weeks for the fight against Griffo. And he said, when I got Griffo in the corner, I noticed that the fold of fat wobbled over his belt. He was in no condition for the boxing ring. He said, naturally, I thought he could beat him instantly, but instead he outboxed me for the entire match despite him being massively overweight. Well, he's pot belly. That is one <laughs> of the great, great Australian story, stories. Mate. And once again, awesome. and I say this often to you, Titus, when you bring these characters to us, that's a movie. That's yeah. an Australian character. I would go and watch uh, Young Griffo yeah. uh, any day of the week. That's a huge story. You, you should write a book about it at least, and then we'll turn that into a film. Yeah. And I'll play Young Griffo <laughs> at 53. <laughs> at 53. Uh, that's... This is secretly how I was meeting meeting to cast you in this. And <laughs> can, I just, can I just say before I go, I'm shattered you're leaving, Mick, and I have to say it, I predict the downfall of Australian society because of it. That's, it's uh, just I don't want to overreact. Thank you, Titus. I uh, love catching up with you. We'll be ca- catching up again every week before the end of this, and uh, we'll be planning something on the last yeah. day that I think you just block it out of your diary. Is all I'm saying to you. By the way, you, you can catch anything? this week's episode yep. of The Cheap Seats, Mickey, uh, which is replayed Great. tonight, 10.30 on Channel 10 as and well. And any gigs? Are you out and about yet? Oh, Lord, no. Oh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Titus O'Reilly, it's Malloy. Young Titus, I'm going to call you, like young Griffo. <laughs> young Titus. It's Malloy on Triple M. For the drive home, this is Malloy. To gather back around your wireless people 
Here comes the big second hour of Malloy. Be a beauty. So excited to have him back after a sold-out tour and a couple of weeks off. It's Jim oh, Jeffries in wait. the house. Satellite progress. Yep. Get ready to dump, Dave. No, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, you Gets know, a bit fruity. You need your wits about you. Uh, that's going to dominate most of this hour. Uh, before we do that, though, yes. uh, what happened to the song whisperer today? Uh, oh, did we not? I didn't. We didn't do it, Dave. Oh. You've only got two segments, oh. The Song Whisperer and, of course, uh, Dave, what is it? Dave's, Dave's Corner. Yeah, the podcast. Duncan, Duncan Dave's. That's just when you know Duncan Dave instead of Dangerous, I reckon. Duncan yeah, Dave. How does that I don't understand. How is it? Duncan what, Dave. Duncan Donuts that or something. That sounds funny. Duncan Dave. Yeah. No. Oh. <laughs> I don't uh, – no, I'm just going Dave now. I think What's I'm dropping the Duncan Dave? I don't, I don't like the nicknames anymore. Donut That's, Dave. Donut Dave. Why, why would you call someone a donut? That's well, I don't care. I just like it. Makes you sort of say that you're I'll a bit, do what I want. Bit, you're a bit of a fatty. Hey, it's Duncan Dave. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Duncan Dave. Hey, um, I've got a song whisper if you want to do it. I mean, I can do it now or I can just give away the tickets to the killers. I don't care either. Oh, we've got to give away two tickets to the Call well, now. Well, okay. Call now if Righto. you want to get two tickets to the killers, which yes. we've seen live. The one of the great them concerts. Right. Oh, mate, wasn't it? We had a great night that night. But it was unbelievable. I was disturbed that you were in the mushroom box. I know you were. I just felt. <laughs> I know I, you were. I did try to get you removed I noticed that stage. as well. I saw it. Michael was in the, the box and he did have a word, but I, I stood my ground and I stayed in. But, uh, yeah, so next December, next November and December, the killers will be here in Australia, the imploding the Mirage Tour, FrontierTouring.com to buy tickets. Did we want to give away some tickets now? Just uh, like to do it. Uh, let me pick up this call first here. Um, hello, is that Malloy? Hello, everybody. This oh. is Brandon Flowers, oh. and you're listening to Dangerous Dave. Oh, I don't know how that call got to it. Um, uh, let's go to the Duncan next... Duncan Dave. <laughs> listening to... Duncan Dave. Yeah! Oh, there it is. Uh, let's take call uh, nine, perhaps. Uh, hello, Malloy. Who's this? Uh, Mitchell. Mitchell, yep. you got tickets to the Killers. Yeah, you got too, mate. So strap, buckle up. It's a great show. The boys are from Vegas, and it's got a hint of Vegas about it when so they hit amazing. the stage. Have you seen they it before? Go. Yeah, on. Oh, well, you're a fan then. You'll enjoy. Well yeah. done, Mitchell. You're yeah. Ready. Yeah. yeah. Jack Rewald called through as well, but did he? Get the tickets couldn't get him to it. <laughs> Hey, are we almost ready, Dave, when we come back? Yeah, is, let's is do the, it. Is let's the big do it next. On deck? We are ready to go. LA. Come on. Look out. Jim Jeffries up next. Malloy. Driving you home. This, this is Malloy. And it's time to check it. It's been a few weeks, actually. One, one of our favourites. Too long. Yeah, too long. It's Jim Jeffries on Malloy. Hey, Jim. It's been a oh. couple of weeks, Jim, since we've been able to catch up with you. You've been on tour, on the Moist Tour. <laughs> yes. I've been Halloweening. Oh, jeez. Oh, it's been yes. non stop over. Here. My in-laws are staying with me. They've come out to stay oh, with yeah. me for a bit. Yeah, great. They came out because to see the baby. You know how the old people they get very excited <laughs> by the baby. Do you remember that when you have your children, you can say to your mother, you go like this. Like she always, my mother always had power over me. Yeah. Like yeah. she always yeah. had the upper hand until I had a kid and I could go, "That's it. You're not seeing Hank." And they're like, "Oh God, don't take him away from me, please." You have all the power once you have the grandkids. You hold them for ransom. Or you could have. Like visiting hours. All right, mother, you have one hour. Enjoy. Have a snuggle. None of this. I'd, when I had my boys, all the women in my life, my sisters and mothers and everywhere, used to knock me down in a bid to get to the baby. And it oh, must yeah. be something about the smell of a young child or, or a little baby, but would grab it and then fight over it like a bouquet at a wedding. 
and then push it to their chest and just smell it. Maybe just all the women in your family are attracted to the smell of shit because they're always... <laughs> Have you thought about that? <laughs> they're always covered in poo, babies. Why yeah, do they smell so good? They're always sitting in their own shit and they smell delightful. Wow. I sit in my own shit. No one wants to pick okay. me up. <laughs> I say to you too, after you've burped him, how about burping me? <laughs> Remember the good old days, Mum? And how are the in-laws? Do you get on well? Is yeah. this a great... Oh, yeah, no. I, I, I is this along. a sitcom in the making? I get along with them. Yeah, yeah, but my mother in law is, is 13 years older than me, and my wife is 13 years younger than me. I could have gone either way. To be <laughs> so, <laughs> don't rule it out. You never, it's a, that's a good threat to have. You know what? You could always pull down the rain here. Uh, that would go well. Hey, can I? Uh, I know you've been busy on, uh, on the tour. Your natural habitat. How's it been? I, I know yeah. you've just uh, done a knockout show in LA. Is it fun? Yeah. Is that like your home ground? Is that is that more fun? That's good. Everyone comes out to see you when you when you're in town. That's nice. All my friends show up. I want to start by thanking you because as always we listen to your podcast. Yeah. And you said some lovely things about me and this show, and I was you, you delighted to hear that and uh, would have been mystifying largely to your international audience. But I appreciated it. And what I love most, and this is doing my head in but you did a brilliant thing where you played a clip of us playing a clip of you yeah. <laughs> on your show, and it was doing. Uh, it was yeah. like Inception. I'm going. I don't yeah, know yeah. where we are. All right, here. Uh, would you like me to play that clip now, or would that just do if us all? If you in? play that clip right then, yeah, we'll be sucked into a void. <laughs> all right, let's go back. Mick Malloy has just retired from Triple M Australia. I do his show, and they always play a little snippet of the podcast to our Australian listeners. And normally he plays a bit where I say something stupid, and then he goes, what happened there? And then I talk about it, right? This time he said, I have a clip of you talking about The Bachelor. This is the clip. And there's many bombshells in uh, your latest, including... Your passion for The Bachelor. We're going to be talking about The Bachelor, which is incidentally one of my favourite TV shows, and I'm quite open about it. What's with Katie? She says she found true love, and she still goes mental in the Final Rose episode. Claire, Dale's too far out of your league. What were you <laughs> thinking? And she did that whole speech. I will never apologise for love. I always thought that they were dressed, because everyone looks so immaculate. You have to bring your own clothes. Yeah. You think that I, as a man, would like to watch The Bachelor because there's more women to look at, but I like to see the blokes have a bit of a... We get three group dates, and someone who really wins will get three solo dates. That's the big thing. Can I steal you for a moment? Yeah. That Italian guy that no one liked. Oh, I'm Pablo. I'm Pablo. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the guys were like, I cannot believe that you want to be the bachelor. He was hit up on Instagram. He's a gorgeous man. In person. Oh my breathtaking. He <laughs> lived on a farm that had a population of like 150 yeah. people. That. There's always a bloke with a guitar who'll find a reason to sing whenever he can Cause his love for you is something that you don't understand In Australia, didn't they have like, they had two girls in one episode? Shut up, shut up (laughs) (laughs) You're all in Fantastic. <laughs> it was nonstop. Thanks to them for playing our podcast. He's been a legend of radio for a very, very long time. He's probably going to play this bit right now. <laughs> <laughs> so that was us playing a clip of your yeah. podcast 
playing a clip of this show, so, playing highlights from your podcast. podcast. Yeah, it was playing the clip, and I was laughing over the clip, and then I was just laughing again over <laughs> the laughter of me laughing. It's a lot of layers. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, the Bachelor guy, he came to the gig on the weekend. Oh, look out! And uh, oh, there you go. He had a good sword on his arm. Did he? Was she yeah. a contestant or? She wasn't a contestant. She was just a regular civilian walking around. <laughs> who probably saw the show. There's nothing wrong with her. I would have given her roses all day. Yep. <laughs> it would have been a rose shower. Hey, Jim, we've got to take a break and come back yep. uh, with some more after this. Jim Jeffries with us. Malloy on Triple M. This is Malloy. Jim Jeffries is with us. The podcast is called I Don't Know About That. Available wherever you get your podcasts. He is in LA. We are in Australia. This is Triple M. Now, the last podcast, uh, you have a fantastic guest, and I'm oh, yeah. fascinated by anything when you lift the skirts on prison. Dave, who's the? what's the name of this guy? This is Larry Lawton, uh, Jim, that uh, he had on your podcast. Let's have a listen. Prison time. I'm still known as the biggest jewel robber ever in the United States. Uh-huh. I robbed between 15 and 18 million. I was associated with the Gambino crime family. I went away for not telling. Let me get that straight. Yeah. Uh, and I did four 12-year sentences. When I was in prison, I was tortured, got my law degree. Can't be a lawyer because of my record. I was in maximum security prison. I've been on Con Air 16 times. Oh, cool. And now I developed the number one program in the country helping young people stay out of prison. I blew up YouTube in a year and a half to 1.3 million uh, subscribers. And it's funny because I don't like cops. But then again, I'm an honorary cop, the only one. <laughs> when you've got frequent flyer points on Con Air, <laughs> I think you're a fairly serious customer. Tell me a, a bit about yeah. him because I'm fascinated by this. I reckon his 12 years went pretty quickly because he never shuts up. He kept on talking <laughs> the whole podcast. He, 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 all the other prisoners would have gone, let, let him get out of it. No, he's a nice fella. <laughs> He's a nice fella who I think has a few diamonds still buried in someone's backyard. Right, like okay. They didn't find all the stuff yeah. from that fella. No, no, no. It's fascinating to hear those stories because I'm sure like everyone out there, you wonder. Mm. Like, surely the worst thing that could happen in your life is going to jail. And I often work out what are the things that could ever, the way I live my life, what could get me there. Yeah. And short of, I don't know, uh, drink driving a bus. Turning a corner and hitting somebody yeah. who was uh, horrible things. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Why would you bring that up for? <laughs> it's also like going to jail, if you take the away, it doesn't sound that bad, right? right. If you take that away... If you sold it, like, right. you get to hang out with the guys, yeah. you'll get a, away from social media, clear your head, you'll uh, get three square meals a day. Do you like basketball? Shoot We've got hoops. basketball. <laughs> you like working out? we got it all. And you'd be like, where can I sign? And just as you're about to sign, the guy goes, yeah, probably you'll get... And you're like, what? <laughs> you know, don't, don't worry about it. Like, it's just, uh, without that, I'd be all on board. They've ruined it with that aspect. Jim, I've always said this. I think... The greatest sexual encounter weighted in the male's favour would be the conjugal visit. And I've just before I die, I'd kill for one. Imagine that. The woman comes in, no time for small talk, just uh, bing, bang, boom, mm. and then you go, mm. thanks, next time, bring me some sickies. <laughs> now, yeah, yeah. can you imagine? Yeah, that'd be fantastic. You'd be getting more sex than you're getting now. I've got a story, right? I always forget 
that as an Australian, I talk differently than the people who are around me. Sure. I've been here for over a decade, but it still creeps up on me every now and again. Yeah. So I go out with my son to take him trick-or-treating, and one of his mates comes with her mother, right? And he's dressed like a superhero, mm. right? I yep. uh, said, oh, I like your little outfit, your little bugger. Yeah. I go, go off your little bugger, and like that, right? The kids ran off to go trick-or-treat, and the mother just turned to me and went, I'm sorry, uh, what did you just call my son? <laughs> And I said, ah, oh, a little, a little bugger. I go, it's like, um, it's like Australian for rascal. It's like calling yeah, him a rascal. Yeah, and yeah. she was like, oh, I like that. I like that a lot. I'm going to start calling people that, the little buggers. Look at the little buggers. Oh, yeah. And she goes, uh, where does it come from? And I went, it's short for the word buggery. <laughs> Anyhow, good to see you. Here's your lollies. If you're in the mood, here's my card. That's a real Australian term that it comes from buggery, right? That way it was like King Henry V or something brought in the Buggery Act in the 1600s to stop sodomy, right? And we just call our kids, you little buggers. Oh, we're a fun nation of people. That's the way we roll. Be back with more after this. Yeah, with the program, so it's this. Is Malloy. Jim Jeffries is with us. I don't know about that. That's the podcast. We've been talking about that a lot. I don't know whether you've been tuning into our podcast, Jim, but uh, these days Mick Malloy is known as a relationship guru. A relationship guru. Yeah. Can I say, you, I know you're a fan of The Bachelor, which is kind of like a daily right, show. Yes. I, I deal with it at the other end where people ring up and I try to adjudicate on domestic matters. For example, we had, we had one caller who... Uh, a girl who came and said she busted her husband who was uh, up in the Gold Coast and he rang her up and said, I can't come home uh, this weekend. I've been snowed under at work, so I'm really sorry. Mm. And she goes, well, that's interesting because you'll find my phone app is telling me you're in Bathurst. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. What I don't understand about that is you go to the Gold Coast to have an affair. Who goes to Bathurst? How (laughs) rough was his wife to begin with that he found a bird in Bathurst that was better? Well, that's right. And I'm I'm guessing you make a good point, actually. Mm. Why the hell was she allowing him to go to Gold Coast in the first place? But anyway, she busted him, and that's what I deal with. I mend... Bridges. Obviously, I'm I'm uniquely qualified because I'm a, basically a middle-aged alcoholic who's never been married. So it <laughs> yeah, yeah. just feels my, like I should be giving relationship to advice to other people. My wife came to me the other day, and because uh, her mother's here, and she came up to me and she goes, "My mother noticed whenever I talk to you, you flinch. Are you scared? Why do you do that?" And I went, "Because I'm scared of you." <laughs> and uh, I. <laughs> How do I stop being scared of my wife? You see, we're at the three-month mark of the uh, baby. It's mm. still a very tense times. I always think that about the baby. My wife, every time the baby vomits, she's like, oh, we vomited. I'm like, it's a baby. That's what it's meant to do. And then she goes, oh, it's been crying all day. Once again, refer to my uh, last comment. It's a baby. It's meant to cry all the time. My wife always tells me things about the baby that I expect. If I came home and she's like, it's talking in sentences, I'd be like, well, that is remarkable. <laughs> we should check that. <laughs> Everything else is like, it can't walk and it's just rolling around on the floor. Oh, it's a baby. Yeah, I've got some advice for you, Jim. And that is, every time you're with the woman uh, or your wife who complains about the baby, Mm. just remind her that she is biologically evolved to do this. Right. It's not like she's special or has a skill. Oh, they love that. Oh, they right. love yeah, that. Please, do that. Just <laughs> Can you do that? Just try that on for me and get back to me and see I'll you I'll tell go. you what another fun thing to say to them is this. You go, <laughs> oh, come on now. There's people in huts in Africa doing this. Oh, that. That goes down a 
treat. That one, you'll get a happy wife and a happy life, won't you? Well, what I often say is, I go, come on, you know what? Elephants are pregnant for 22 months. You really need to, you know, dial it down. (laughs) Imagine that, Jim. Imagine being with you. Imagine if your partner was pregnant for 22 months. That's a lot of back rubs. That is a lot of foot rubs. That is... Anyway, maybe this counselling thing is not a good idea. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Me and you probably aren't the guys to speak on relationships together. You, no. Have you tried doing this with a woman in the room and see how it went down? Uh, no, I haven't yet, um, but I look forward to it. I might do it in my live shows, which are forthcoming. Do you know what I used to do? This is a bit I used to do on stage, which, which always used to make me laugh, is I would go, oh, I'd put it behind in the room if you're, uh, if you're engaged. All right, how long? I want to find the person who's been engaged the longest but not married. And you can see the blokes looking at you like, thanks, thanks a lot. And you go through and eventually women are poking up. Yeah, four years, four (laughs) years. I'm going, oh, that's a long time. Here, 11. I go, what? 11. Stand up, sir. Stand up. He's going, this has got to be a quiet trip home in the car. (laughs) And he's going, I'm going, what do you do? What, you can do better? And it was... For relationships, uh, probably the opposite of advice. It was I was destroying relationships as we speak. I used to do that when I was in like a small comedy club and things weren't going particularly well. You, you'd do the whole, how long have you been together? And now they say five years. Why? What do you think at the, the six-year mark? It's going to kick in, mate. You're going to be ready to go. So so I'm doing it. I'm doing. I'm in a gig in Warrington. In, it's, it's up near yeah. Liverpool in England. I'm in this little gig above a pub, right? I'm doing this gig. And uh, I said to this couple in the front row, how long have you been together? And he goes, uh, six years, like that, right? And I said, oh, how f- long are you going to wait, mate? How long are you going to wait? Blah, 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 blah. And the guy stood up, got down on one knee and pulled a ring out. And he said, oh, wow. you did this same routine with us two years ago when we came. <laughs> so he was... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good result, though. He was all prepped. One thing we can guarantee is that Jim Jeffries is going to be a hack and repeat the same (laughs) routine. And then what we'll do is I'll propose then. Oh, he nailed me to the wall, that fella. Another good one is to ask who's been married the longest. And when they go, who's been married the longest? And what I love is as it escalates, people clap harder. And they go, so how long have you been married? 40 years. And people go, oh, Jesus, you must be awesome. Imagine that. That is... I don't know how you do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's ever like, congratulations, aren't you too lucky? It's always like, that's, wow. (laughs) (laughs) What's what's your secret? I always look at people who have been married for 50 years and I think to myself, I don't know if I can. I don't know. Like, my wife can be wifey. But, you know, I look at it the same way as when I looked at Michael Jordan play basketball. I understand we're the same species, but he obviously has a different skill set. Right? (laughs) You know, It is true. You see see those couples that have been together for 50 years go, geez, you two must be the equal amount of boring to make that work. I love it when you go to a restaurant and you see a couple sitting there and they do not say a word. Now, there's two paths here. Either you're very comfortable with each other or you secretly want to pick that fork up and stab (laughs) that guy in the eye. And I can't work out which one it is. Mm. Oh, no, I I love my wife. But if she goes first, that would be good for me. (laughs) Um, 
Okay. On that bombshell, Jim, we're going to go. Have you got any Australian dates that we can mention at this time? Uh, I believe I'm coming back in June. There was there was a little news story that I might be doing a movie in May, but I'm I'm, I'm going to reschedule Fantastic. the shows in June. So awesome. movie porno. Uh, well, me, Reese Darby, uh, Monty Franklin, and John Cleese doing oh a movie about the, the, the emu war in uh, Western Australia. So Fantastic. so who knows? But they they released it. I I didn't know I had the part. I know they were saying that. I might have the part. I read about it in the Hollywood Reporter like everybody else. I was like, all right. And they post them and, oh, that's good. I got a job. Yeah, well, may I remind you, you had the job for Australia's Got Talent too. So things can change pretty, <laughs> oh, yeah. pretty quickly overnight. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. All right, lads. Great to catch good up with you, you and we'll speak to you again next week. You got Jim it. Jeffries, everybody. It's Malloy, Triple M. A drive home that's always unpredictable. <laughs> this is Malloy. And Mickey, it's thanks to Crown Forklifts. There's Hit nothing it. like a crown for picking it, it up and Come putting on. it down. Here it is. There is nothing like a crown for picking it oh, up yeah. and putting it down. Sounds so good. Bang. The greatest jingle ever produced. I can't think of a better one. I mean, there's a few kind of up there, your VBs and all that, but uh, Crown's very strong. That just hits me right at the spot. It makes me a little teary and a little emotional. Does it? And uh, I can't listen to it all the time. (laughs) Come on, get yourself together. It just gets me right. right. It really is. It's patriotic. Because it talks to me in a way. It does. You know how much I love the Crown Oh, you love a forklift, It's uh, a great piece of iconic machinery. It really is. The backbone of this country, it keeps us moving, it gets us going, does all the heavy lifting. Yeah. And I just can't talk. Can I share something very personal with you? My son got his first job yesterday or started his first day uh, at a local department store. And the first thing he said to me, Dad, you should have seen the storeroom. He was so impressed with the storeroom. And I said, was there forklifts? He said, yeah, you bet there were. So uh, he's only 15, and I'm I'm no doubt they're crowned, so he's very excited. Well, why would you get anything else? That's right. And you look at all that stuff and you go, who's going to move it? Uh, I don't know. What about a crown forklift, everyone? (laughs) Yes. We've Uh, got this. Yeah. Uh, What a great company. A large Uh, family-run business operating globally. Uh, no risk, no worries. Crown yeah. provide the biggest warranty and the best guarantee. Yeah. You won't even need the warranty, but they do it. Remember last time we were talking about it? People were yeah. ringing up telling us Crown almost harassed them That's by ringing right. up. Going, Enough, How's Crown. it going? Anything wrong? <laughs> do you need any help? Can we send someone around? The standard of Customer service. Customer service was number one, wasn't it, with is, all those callers? Off yeah. the charts. And we've been thinking about those yeah. uh, those, those uh, first responders, That's I right. call them. Yes. Those guys driving the forklifts in the hard hats and providing some driving music. You know? oh, we always yeah. love some driving music. I'm putting a little have, soundtrack together. I'm putting together about a Spotify. Lifting or up yeah. or down. Look, we've had Don't something... Bring Me Down. We've had You Raise Me Up by Josh Groban as well. Here's something, else, today, something else to add to the playlist because, you know, hydraulics a lot in a, in a crown forklift. What yeah. about. Pressure down. John Farnham. Hello, girls. Here I am. I'm reversing. I'm reversing. Look at me. I'm king of the world. (laughs) How much fun is that? Unbelievable. So that's what that's what we're putting together. The Spotify playlist for those crown drivers all around Australia. Well, this is your music. It's your time. And by the way, the first 10 people who call Crown and say you heard it on Malloy, you are eligible for a free PDH hand, uh, pat, oh, hand pallet jack, Mickey. Oh, you Amazing. Get one of those. Yeah. Snaffle one of those, babies. Call 131604 and uh, sort it out for you with get Crown. Get the ball rolling. There is nothing like a crown.
driving you home. This is Malloy. He's done for the day. Jim Jeffries, by the way, if you've missed Jim on the radio, uh, might be a great chance to catch up on the podcast. Hey, by the way, I saw the uh, the official podcast ranker today, oh, uh, yes. which is an Australian-wide podcast sure. uh, ranker. And yep. Malloy, very strong, up two points. So uh, well done yeah, to baby. Malloy. Creaming it, so that's oh, awesome. that'll be that'll be the Dave's corner bump. Oh, is that what it is? Well, I think <laughs> no, it's I just that so. extra. Yeah, you know, oh, it's great for the show. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so you what, can always catch up through the listener app if you want to find your podcasts. Yeah. And what about you, Dave? What's what? on Dave's? Corner oh, Dave's today? corner today. Look, I did a bit of research online recently, and I've did come you? across an interesting article that I want to share with you. Look, it's a bit it's very adult. blue. Yeah, it's very adult. So this is one for no kids in the car to be listening to unless... No, no, no not at all. So there's there's no chance of doing that. <laughs> no, Dave, I don't know what I was thinking. No, no kids at all. So put this with your AirPods and your headphones and um, just to yourself, that one. Yeah, right. episode 41, that's what that Yeah, be. and uh, it gets a bit steamy. <sighs> and uh, don't know what's going on in Darwin, but well done, <laughs> Yeah, you'll find out. Hey, uh, um, tomorrow on the show, Kate Langbrook... Author, we've got a brand new book out. She's going to be joining us. Kate's on the show, uh, Gone Wild, and we'll also bring in one of our favourites, Dr. Chris Brown, as yeah, well. Clown of the Week, man, Friday tomorrow and all. That will be Friday's Malloy on Triple M. This has been the Malloy Drive Show podcast, and there's nothing like a crown forklift for picking it up and putting it down. They're never far away from where you are in cities, suburbs, and country towns across Australia with guaranteed reliability and superior quality. Check them out at crown.com or call 131. 604.